Hi, uh, welcome to the show. This is the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm your host. With me this week are my two amazing co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper, the EIC of Blizzard Watch, and Joe Perez, kind of the ombudsman slash everything of Blizzard Watch. Uh, so they're with me, and we're going to do a show. Um, big stuff happened this weekend. Uh, last week, I, I want to say Thursday. Was it Thursday or Friday, Liz? The uh, Summer Game Fest. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. And then throughout the weekend, other companies and other gaming platforms had their own shows. Uh, Nintendo, I believe, had a show. Uh, Capcom had a show. I think Sony had a show, didn't they? Uh, they had a show a couple of weeks earlier. A couple of weeks earlier. Okay, cool. Uh, but the, the really big one for, for the people on this show to discuss, because it involved a couple of games that we usually talk about, was the Xbox, uh, the Microsoft Xbox and Bethesda show or something. Was it called mm-hmm. like Microsoft and Bethesda? Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. I watched it and I can't remember what it was called. Uh, <laughs> the Xbox Game Showcase. Yeah. Um, there was a lot to talk about. There's a lot of all these various reveals, yeah. some of which are fairly blizzardy related. So we're going to start on those and then we're going to move on and talk about other stuff because there's one I really want to talk about. And then there's others that I'm, I'm sure some of these other guys are going to want to talk about. Um, where to start? Where to start? Let's start with like the easy one. Overwatch 2 got a release date for its PvP side. Um, we're going to see the beta. Like I think the beta is like right now or soon to now. They, they've talked uh, to no beta signs beta signups will start on the 16th and the beta itself is going live later this month okay so in june we'll have the beta for overwatch 2's pvp aspects okay uh but the actual reveal the, the release date is october 4th for overwatch 2 um and we're getting like i said the pvp stuff um pretty much you know the switch to 5x5 the uh various new mechanics characters like sojourn um, I remember Sojourn and Junker Queen. Was anybody else announced, or is it just Sojourn and Junker Queen are the two new ones? Uh, Sojourn we knew about, and yeah. Junker Queen was announced this weekend. Yeah. And those yeah. are the only new heroes that we know about. And I assume at this point, the only new heroes we're going to get since it's we got a release date. And it does look like the trailer for the Junker Queen was like how the Junker Queen became the Junker Queen. Yes, it it did look that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, throw but, that in there. No, yeah. It, so that's that was revealed. Which I think is is big, and I don't know how much there is to discuss about it, though, because it is it is what it is. Uh, but maybe Liz or Joe have something else to say on it. So, Liz? Uh, I mean, the thing that kind of disquiets me about it is it's going to be free to play. Which, okay, yeah, it's nice to have free games, but that just means the game is going to be entirely monetized with like mm-hmm. loot boxes and stuff, which I am not a fan of. That can get really frustrating depending on how they do it. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to, we'll have to see what it looks like. Joe. Say, same thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not opposed to free to play games. I play a lot of league of legends, uh, oh, which, yeah. which is a free to play game. And I'll be honest, even though it does have some predatory monetary bullshit in it right now, it's not as bad as it could be. It's maybe a two on a scale of 10, um, because you still get everything or have a chance to get everything just by playing the game. Uh, I don't know how this is going to be with Overwatch, but that kind of scares me because Overwatch already has an issue with loot boxes. So how bad is this going to be? I don't know. Plus everything that just happened with Diablo Immortal, which while a fine game definitely has issues with monetization at the the end game. Are we going to start seeing things that have been put into motion that are going to ruin the gameplay experiences? That's what I'm worried about. That's fair. Um, I have a lot to say about Diablo Immortal monetization and my opinion on it, but I don't think that's for here. Uh, however, 
the thing to bring up, I do think is for here for right now, is that we got the last playable hero for Diablo 4. Uh, yes. It's the Necromancer. And we even got a developer, one of those quarterly updates where they talked in depth about the Necromancer, how it's going to play, uh, what it's building built around. I, I know this because I just wrote the thing up for the site uh, today. <laughs> And we've got a release date of sorts. We do not have an actual day. We have the year, um, which is more than we had. Uh, we know now the game is coming in 2023. My personal guess is that they will do everything in their power to get it out by June 29th of next year. And that's because June 29th is the release date of Diablo 2. And I am positive they are aiming for that. I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. yeah. If, if not June 29th, then December 31st. And I realize those are two very far apart dates, but they're both very important dates because December 31st is the original release of Diablo and June 29th is Diablo 2. Um, and I think they're aiming for one of those dates and I think June 29th is the one they are aiming for. But uh, did either of you, I know, Liz, I know you did because you edit my stuff. So anytime <laughs> I write something, you look at it. Uh, but did you like, get a chance to really look over what the Necromancer is going to be about? Um, I mean, I looked over some of it. I didn't do, I didn't read like the whole uh, blog that Blizzard wrote about it because it's really, really long. And um, also one of the things about games that I just already know I want to play, like I don't feel the need to read every detail. I'm like, mm -hmm. I just want to play it. I don't want to read about it. I just want to get my hands on this game. Um but Necromancer is one of my favorite classes. I really like the Necromancer class. I was super happy when it got added to Diablo 3. And so I am definitely looking forward to playing these guys when they come out. Okay, Joe, did you get a chance to look at it? Uh, I'm sort of in the same camp as Liz when it comes to stuff that I already know I'm going to play. Like, it's weird, right? Like, I'll watch a trailer of a game or, or something like uh, Have a Nice Death is a really good example saw a trailer of the game once it definitely ticked all my buttons and I looked nothing more into it and actually went out of my way to sort of avoid it so that I could just kind of play it and experience it for myself. Diablo. I already know way too much about like we, we literally have hundreds of hours of content of Diablo <laughs> that we have recorded over the last several years, lore wise and otherwise. Um, and so like moving into Diablo four, I already know I'm going to play. I also already know that I'm going to play Necromancer if it's available to me or Druid. And those are the two classes that I will always play in Diablo, given the opportunity. It's just the way I play the game. So the fact that it's available, I'm like, okay, that just means I'm either going to be playing Druid Primary, Necro Secondary, or Necro Primary, Druid pri Secondary, more than likely Druid Primary. But like, I didn't really look too far into it because I already know what I'm going to do. I don't need more. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, uh, for me. And for you listening, because I feel like you'll want to hear at least a little of this, <laughs> the uh, Necromancer, I went and looked it up because A, writing about it, and B, I don't play Necromancers in Diablo. So I was curious as to what they're doing this time. And it's interesting because it is very heavily influenced by previous Necromancers. Keep in mind, at this point, the Necromancer has been in three games. Uh, the Necromancer is tied with the Barbarian for the most Diablo appearances. Um, they've been in like three of, of the four games they've been in Diablo two, Diablo three, and now Diablo immortal. And in each game, they have a certain build to them. They, they're going for certain things. The necromancer in Diablo four right now, uh, as of the, the posts that they wrote about it is basically built around an interesting dichotomy of, of mechanics. One of which is just 
you know, basically mana by another name. It's essence. It's it's basically the same thing. The other is corpses. Corpses are your other resource, mm-hmm. and you make corpses by making corpses. It is exactly <laughs> what you think it is. You kill people, and then those people are corpses for you to make use of later. Um, and then there's other stuff like you can, to a degree, you can stockpile corpses. Like I don't know how that works. Like, are you carrying a corpse around <laughs> with you? Do you just leave them in places like a bear caching a kill. But regardless, these two mechanics working together with the various powers, like there's, uh, I believe the, the the powers are like bone, sh- bone. Um, I want to say shadow. It's bone. I think darkness. bone, darkness. Thank you, bone, darkness, uh, blood, and the army. And, you know, bone, it's, you know, attacks like, you know, bone, bone shield, bone storm type stuff. Basically, bone storm. it's blasting people mm-hmm. with bones or putting up a big bone wall that you rip up out of the ground, stuff like that. Uh, the blood, the, the blood ones are the most interesting to me because it's literally pulling out people's blood and the life in it to use in your magic. It's essentially like, because necromancers are all about balance. It's not just all about death with them. It's about the balance between life and death. So you use it to, to like, you know, to yoink people's blood. And there's like a ability to like, you know, basically drain that into yourself and make yourself more healthy while killing them. And then there's the one that's really kind of gross where everything around you, you pull a little bit of their blood out and then you shoot it back <laughs> in everybody's faces. And it's like, yeah, oh wow, that's gr- that's gross. I don't want to know about that one. But um, the 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 darkness one is basically shadow magic, like I said, you know, doing you know, blasting people with with eldritch with eldritch darkness. But the army one, the army one, and the mechanics behind it are really fascinating. Because remember how we all thought Army of the Dead was going to be super cool for for Death Knights, and it yep. ended up just being like a cooldown that they get so often. It was still pretty cool. Let's be honest. It's still cool, but not like the when you saw them in their original trailer and they had that whole army of dead people, they were throwing at somebody and you thought, Oh my, wow. That's kind of where they're going with this, where like you have this thing called the book of the dead and in the book of the dead, you can learn various summons. Like you can summon. And if you've ever done Diablo, you know about the creatures you fight, like the skeletal archers, the skeletal mages, the big bone monsters. You can learn to summon all of these or, you can deliberately not learn how to summon one of them and trade that in for a, for a direct boost to your powers in some way. So you can be a guy who just has one kind of summon, but that summon is is amped up because you've you've traded in the other summons. Or you can have like the whole weight call the whole list of summons. You can summon every type of, of undead you want to use. And your necromancer, she can do like any version of this they want, they can trade away one of the summons and keep two. They can trade away all three and just not do any summons at all and have it all be their personal necromantic power. Or they can, you know, they can trade away all, but say the really big one and take away, take choices to make the really big one as big and powerful as they can. And it's, it's a neat system. It's a neat way to like, like the barbarians in Diablo four have the armory system where you trade between different kinds of weapons in as part of your move set and it, it changes things up. This is an interesting way to do that for the necromancer. And I'm really interested to see how it plays out. Um, it, I don't necessarily play necromancers, but I might actually play one of these just to see how that works. And I think it's really, it, it is an interesting way to hone in on what the necromancer is. Do you want your necromancer to basically be, you know, Hey, dead people get up and fight for me. Or do you want them to be, Hey, living people get down on the ground and be dead. 
<laughs> you can be either. You can you can mix and match your approach. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty cool, and I'm actually really interested in it. Uh, but at this point, that's pretty much it for Blizzard news, I think. I mean, should we do the cross the cross platform thing? Uh, Liz, talk about the cross platform thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you keep throwing these things at me. Um, well, yeah, we knew that the Diablo Four developers were interested in doing cross platform for Diablo Four, but we didn't. They they hadn't confirmed it yet. And uh, this weekend, they did confirm that it will be cross-platform between PC, Xbox, and PlayStation, which I am super hyped for because I play on consoles these days. Because when I play Diablo at my PC, it's like my wrist cannot handle all of that clicking. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I can play for like 20 minutes and then I'm just done. I um, had, I had a doctor of all things who mm-hmm. came in one time with a cast on. And I, yeah. I was like, what happened to your wrist? He goes, oh, I played Diablo. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. He, he like, was literally like, yeah, they should just call it repetitive, repetitive stress syndrome, the game. Because that's oh, yeah. what it is. It is, you know, I love Diablo, but yeah, tons of clicking. So yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right. So yeah, I play on console, but that really limits who you can play with. Because right now, console is not cross-platform. If you play on Xbox, you're playing with other people who play on Xbox. So this is just, this is great, great news. I think the only... Uh, dampening feature on this news is that they did not announce a version for Switch. They did not say it's going to be on Switch. They did not say it's going to be cross-platform to Switch. They didn't say anything about the Nintendo Switch. So right now it sounds like it's not going to be on Switch, which Diablo 3 is available on Switch, which I know a lot of people really like that, but Diablo 4 may not be. Well, we know that they're doing it the the... Xbox and PlayStation versions are going to go backwards to the previous yes. uh, console generation. We're going to have the Xbox One and the PS4, as well as the uh, the Xbox Series XS and the PlayStation 5. And part of that is the fact that it's somewhat difficult to get an Xbox Series XX, and it's almost Herculean to get a PlayStation 5. <laughs> so they want to sell games to people. So if people still don't have a PlayStation 5 by 2003, they still want to sell a game to them. But, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's cool. And I would definitely like to see them put it on the Switch, too, because, you know, the more the merrier, in my opinion. I think you're going to see potentially now that they're going with this is pure speculation. I have nothing that makes me think that this is going to happen other than just looking at trends while with with the whole Microsoft uh, Blizzard Activision thing happening. Microsoft has been pushing a lot of stuff to cloud based play especially through the Game Pass. Like, a lot of the games are, are cloud play on there now. Um, it's a rather large section if you actually go through it. There is a potential possibility that you'll see something like Diablo 4 maybe wind up with some form of cloud play, especially if they're already working on cross-platform. So it may not be natively on the Switch, but there may be a way to actually stream the game and play it on the Switch you never know. So there, there's possibilities that with new with the way technology is going that may make that a possibility. Okay. Uh, I did want to, however, one of the things I wanted to do here was talk about other stuff from the various game shows, from Game Fest and from other other programs that went off last week. And uh, I know Liz has a few to talk about, so I'm gonna actually start with Joe. Joe, <laughs> is there anything you saw that you thought like cool? I like to keep people switched up. Um, yeah, yeah, you're for sure keeping us on our toes. Uh, there's Go actually ahead, there's actually a ton that I was actually looking forward to. One is the Callisto Protocol, which they showed, uh, which is looked very much like what a spiritual successor to the horror version of Dead Space would be. Because 
while there was three Dead Space games, only one of those games counts as horror. The other two are definitely more action-y. So this seems a little more like that, and I'm kind of here for it. I generally like horror video games. Uh, Goat Simulator 3, because Goat Simulator 2 was not enough. (laughs) Because it never existed. There was Goat Simulator. Mm -hmm. Goat Simulator 2 did not exist, and now we are Goat Simulator 3, because that is the way this joke goes. Uh, We had a new trailer for Marvel Midnight Suns, which is something that I have been dying for, um, which I think is great. Also, it revealed that it is including Spider-Man and Venom, uh, and it is set for release in October, which I'm super excited for because it's not too far away. Uh, The Cuphead DLC that has been announced for the last, I'm looking at my watch now, three years is finally coming out. Uh, So there was a gameplay uh, trailer for it. So the delicious last course, get it, DLC, uh, which should be out at the end of this month, which I'm super excited for because Cuphead is one of my favorite games. Uh, And also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is another game that I have been super stoked for because I actually really, really, really love the old arcade Turtles beat-em-ups. And uh, now we know that it's going to be released on June 16th, so in two days... Uh, but we also gonna they reveal that you're gonna get Casey Jones as a playable character, and it's gonna support six player co op with day one availability on Xbox Game Pass. I am super here for this. This trend is amazing. Let's keep it going. Uh, but I'm gonna play the hell out of that. There was some more uh, gameplay tr- footage for Warhammer 40k Darktide, which Darktide is a title for 40k that was announced about three years ago, actually. Uh, and I forgot about it until we talked about it last week <laughs> and started digging into it. I was like, I, f- I thought this was announced years and years and years ago. It looks like it's been completely reworked uh, to be a little bit more, I don't want to say RPG-ish, but it's like Left for Dead Plus. Uh, having played Back for Blood recently, it seems very similar to that with the three distinct or four distinct classes and, and the different weapons and things like that and showing off the different abilities and, and arsenals. And I'm super here for it as well. Uh, there was another trailer for Gotham Knights, which I have is another game that I've been dying for, uh, which is also set to release on October 25th on consoles and PC, uh, including a brand new Nightwing costume, which looks super awesome uh, and showing off the different combat styles. I think that's everything that I picked up on from there that I put notes down for double checking. Yeah. OK, I'm good. All right. And now Liz. <laughs> wow. After all of that, I have. Very little. I was very interested in the Starfield trailer because, you know, this is the game that uh, Bethesda has been working on so long. It's the exciting space fallout that I have been looking forward to for years. And I'm I'm not, you know, bowled over hyped about it. The trailer, the gameplay they showed looked interesting, but it's not like, oh, my God, I have to play this right now. It seemed... What worries me about it is it seems like a very big game. This is a huge, ambitious game with hundreds of planets to explore. You can, you know, do your typical like Fallout kind of play on the ground and fight things. Or you can take off in your spaceship, which is completely customizable in every possible way. And how you customize it will change how it flies and you change how it looks and... 100% customization, and also there's space combat you can participate in, and there's exploration, there are hundreds of planets, and it's like, wow, this sounds really amazing, but it also sounds like a really huge, really, really, really ambitious game, and my concern is you can't do all of this in one game, and if you try to do all of this in one game, you're not going to do it well. 
Yeah, it does feel so like something I'm... Peter Molyneux would tell you about, doesn't it? <laughs> it definitely feels like something you'd have Peter Molyneux up on stage going, and you can su- you can seduce the spaceship. <laughs> but it's like the spaceship seems really cool. My eyes just twitched. You... <laughs> the mention the of Peter Molyneux, seems, The spaceship seems so cool because it's like, you decide exactly what kind of components go on them, and that's going to change how you fly. But it's like, you're kind of bolting this space simulator game on top of this sort of more traditional Bethesda RPG game. And it's like, can you really do all of this? And one of the things this whole thing made me think of was Mass Effect Andromeda, which was originally supposed to be a much bigger game about space exploration. And it kind of scaled down to a simpler narrative where there were only a handful of specific planets you could explore. And, um, Y'all might know that Andromeda did not go over super well. And uh, so now I'm kind of worried about Starfield. Is it also going to have kind of a similar problem where it's trying to be too much? It's trying to do too much. Um, and I guess we'll see. We don't have a release date or even a hint of a release date. So I may be thinking this for the next five years. Who knows? Yeah, that's all you wanted to mention, though? Uh, well, I mean, I could mention Choo Choo Charles. Did either of y'all see the yes. trailer for Choo Choo Charles? Yeah, yeah I saw it. Do you know what that was born uh, of, actually? Tell, do tell. So there was this weird animation years and years and years ago um, where somebody just turned Thomas the Tank Engine into like this creepy repeating gif where Thomas turned into <laughs> basically what Choo Choo Charles looks like, which is like a spider uh, a spider train uh, that wanted to consume flesh. And it just like this constant loop. Uh, so somebody was like, why don't we just make a game of it? And then Choo Choo Charles was born. So definitely here for it. Cause I, again, uh, horror games. <laughs> uh, yeah. For anyone who did not see this trailer, I'm not sure I recommend watching it oh, because it's deeply, deeply, deeply it disturbing. Is deeply disturbing. Yes. Uh, you're, you're basically on a train in the afterlife and you're being chased by this other train, which is also a spider, which also has a horrifying demon face with lots of teeth. And he's constantly coming after you. Um, yeah, it looks terrifying and also really exciting. You're constantly running away from this demon train and, uh, shooting it and running and, I imagine that if I play this game, I'm going to be like sitting in front of the in front of the computer and just shrieking half the time because I'm being chased by a giant spider demon train. But but it actually sounds kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, mostly mostly what stuck with me was Starfield. All right. Uh, then I will talk about the things I wanted to talk about because there were a couple of things I was really interested in. First up is uh, Obsidian Games has a game coming out. They're the guys who made Fallout New Vegas. Uh, they made the uh, um, the other it was the Outer Worlds, I believe. Yeah, the Outer Worlds. I always want to call it Other Worlds, but because there's an also a game called Other Worlds, and it confuses me. But they made the Outer Worlds. They've made a lot of stuff. You know them. They're the they're the minds behind the original Fallout mostly. Uh, they made a, they have a game coming out from uh, I want to find me sure I get his name right because he's done a lot of stuff and uh, he's actually pretty well known. Um, Josh Sawyer, who was the, he's been the lead developer for Fallout New Vegas. He was the person behind the original Pillars of Eternity game, and he was the like producer on Pillars of Eternity 2. He's putting out a game called Pentiment, and it's basically like Disco Elysium, but also the Assassin's Creed history tour with an art direction that's basically taken from medieval manuscripts and early Renaissance woodcuts. And it's it's fascinating to me. And I doubt nine people out of 10 that are hearing this are going to care at all, 
but it's a deep dive into like late medieval history in Bavaria over a 20 year period where your character, there's very little combat, if any, um, it's being pissed, pissed just kind of like disco Elysium that way where you make narrative choices and those narrative choices have consequences. And you start off as this artist who's kind of like a journeyman artist who's on the cusp of becoming a master. And you, you get a gig from a friend and a patron who takes you to this small town of Bavaria. But as you're doing your, your art job, your, your illuminated manuscript, he is accused of murder. <clears throat> and so since nobody else seems to care whether or not he actually did it, you decide to step up. And so you got a little bit of the name of the rose going on here. And from there, other things start happening to the character. And over the course of like 30 years, you have all these experiences that relate to your deductive ability. And the thing is, is one of the things that they, they said about this game is that there is no canonical ending. Like you, the, the murderer, you, you never know if you've actually solved the murder, you make a decision and things happen, but you might be wrong. You might even deliberately pick someone. No, pretty sure they're not the murderer just to get your friend off. Or you might let your friend go up the river. And it's really just about the life and times of people in, in medieval Europe and not just like the Lords and Kings and princes, but you know, the, the Miller, uh, the, 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 the farm, the farms, people, the, the villains, all that stuff. It, it just really gets me. And the art direction is spectacular. I mean, it's this really stylized form that you can see the medieval illustration in it. Uh, it's it's just it's really really fascinating to me, and I'm it's it's such an interesting small scale game, uh, and it's going to be on Game Pass day one. It's just really nice. It is something that I was super excited about. Um, there's a ton of other stuff that that came out though. Most of this stuff I'm going to be talking about is from the Xbox presser. Uh, I will mention though one game that I'm really curious about. The Corey was talking about Bear and Breakfast. Have you guys seen this thing? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Bear yeah. And Breakfast. Who wouldn't? Who who wouldn't want to run a be- bed and breakfast and also be a bear? It's a bear running a bear and breakfast, a bed and breakfast. It's it's <laughs> it is so simple in concept, and yet it really it's like it's up there with Stray for me. Stray is a game that I've been talking about for a long time. I'm really sad that I won't get to play it on my console, but it will be coming to PC, so I'm not too upset. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely. I'm as close to a first day Stray player as I think I could get, depending on other stuff. But this one. This one has me like, I, I'm seriously super interested in bear and breakfast. Cause it is, it's, it's very Stardew Valley ish in a way it fe- it has that kind of feel, but it's a different game entirely. It's not about running the big farm. It's about running a bed and breakfast, bed and breakfast and being a bear while you do it. And it's just cute. It's really nice. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. There was uh there's a cyberpunk one that I looked at and thought looked really interesting. Uh, Nivalis, Nivalis. It's by the, the guy that did uh cloud punk if you saw cloud punk um you basically this one's very similar to bear and breakfast actually because it's it's except you're not a bear but you set up a ramen <laughs> shot you, you have a ramen stand yeah, restaurant or nightclub yeah, yeah, yeah. in a in a neon cyberpunky world it's like i'm i'm so planning on getting this game and planning it to be my v's retirement like after she gets <laughs> through everything in that game she she moves to this place and she starts a ramen stand uh, I might even write, I can just imagine myself writing fanfic of Nivalis where my badass, <laughs> you know, V is now a ramen stand, but every so often somebody comes in as a jerk and she breaks their legs or something. Uh, but yeah, it is, looks really, it is a really cool idea. Um, it's coming to steam and it doesn't have a release date yet. So if you wish list it, you'll, you'll be told when it comes out, 
there was uh, the last case of Benedict Fox, which is cool and Lovecraftian. People think I don't like horror because I don't like being a player in horror games because I have a very, I have a very Robert E. Howard attitude towards it. Like I remember reading a thing where Robert E. Howard and HP Lovecraft both took part in a round Robin fiction thing where like each of them would write a chapter and a bunch of their friends wrote chapters. And then Lovecraft came in and he wrote the penultimate chapter which was when this guy gets his mind torn out of his body and transported across the galaxy to inhabit an alien crab monster. And it's all about the horror of finding yourself in a crab monster body. And as soon as he finished and handed it off to Howard, Howard has crab monster guy murder all the other crab monsters. Cause they're super they're like an advanced society that hasn't been violent to each other for eons. And so he's a human. So he just kills everybody, gets himself up on the throne of the crab monsters. And it's basically Conan as a crab monster in space. And that's my problem as a horror player. I, my impulse is to try to kill everything. That's not how horror games work. If you try and kill everybody in a Call of Cthulhu game, you end up dead real fast. Um, so yeah, I'm not a big horror player, ain't, but ain't I am interested. That. Yeah. But I'm interested in, I like how I like horror games, just not as a player. I love watching people play them. So I'm really curious about the, the last case of Benedict Fox. I'm trying to think, was there, there was a few other things. There was like Erebon, which I don't know anything about, but it looked cool. Um, there was Flintlock, the siege of Dawn. I've got no idea what's going on with this game, but there's lots of shooting and it looks like a fantasy world. So I'm interested. Uh, there's scorn, which I'm not interested in. Scorn is way too much. David Cronenberg, the game for me. Yeah, Did you guys see that trailer? 100% is. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, they, they showed that uh, a couple years ago. Uh, they showed a proof of concept for it. And uh, that was immediately what I thought is, what if David Cronenberg had a, had a video game? Yeah. And uh, Liz, did you see it? Did you see the trailer for Scorn? Oh, yeah. it's That's way too gory for me. Yeah. And not even the I'm gory. I'm just not interested. It's not, like, my, not, my, not my thing. Yeah. It's not even the gore for me. It's the fact that stuff like the gun that is like an eye you shove your hand into. Yeah. It's, like, ah. it's, it's so, so creepy. But I yeah. mean, it just... Mm. But there's Lightyear Frontier, which I have no idea what's going on there, but that also looked kind of cool. Um, Vin Diesel, I guess, is in an Arc Two trailer. I, I don't, I don't, didn't see it, missed it. So um, good luck to you, Vin. I, I, I hope you don't wreck this franchise like you're doing your own franchise. <laughs> um, seriously, what is he doing to the? Fr- yeah, never mind. Uh, but yeah, what was there was like one more I want to mention before we move on to other stuff. Oh, right. Uh, I feel like this has to get mentioned. Riot Games is bringing practically everything they currently do yeah. uh, to Xbox Game Pass. Similar to how EA does it, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. But can you talk real fast about the Riot thing, Joe? Sure. So uh, we got a big trailer that showed that Riot Games is integrating with Game Pass and, and Microsoft and all that, which is very similar to what EA does. Uh, most of Riot's games tend to be... Uh, free to play they tend to be their own little thing whether it's uh, tft league of legends valorant uh, and then they have a couple unnamed projects that are going to be coming up at some point as a fact point of fact we know that they have an mmo team that they've been working on stuff uh, Mm -hmm. as well as other games in their research and development program so them integrating with uh, game pass is just another way of trying to get at least in my opinion, some cross promotion for it to keep them, I don't want to say relevant, uh, but like when Defense of the Ancients went away, you had a couple options of what you could play and League of Legends was one of them. And it, in my opinion, is still the one that does it the best. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I also wondering if it's going to start opening up those games to potentially play on consoles, 
which they haven't really talked about because I don't believe League of Legends is available on consoles, but I think Valorant is. Uh, but if you were to make all of them available on it as a you know instead of just worrying about like the weird wild rift version of league for mobile which i still don't quite wrap my head around uh maybe we're gonna start seeing some branching out of that all, all in all it's just it seems like a good thing it seems like a really good deal for them to make and it seems like a great inner inner i can't even talk today wow a great integration <laughs> for them to participate in it helped ea a lot like a lot a lot with games that got played Mm-hmm. Um, so this can only help. I don't think there's anything that could hurt. Okay. The last thing I'm going to mention is something I saw today because, uh, while most of the stuff I mentioned was from the Xbox presser, uh, Ubisoft did their Assassin's Creed presser today because it's the 15th anniversary of Assassin's Creed. Um, amongst the things they mentioned was that they are bringing a Hades mode to Assassin's Creed Valhalla where your character goes back to the Norse mythology stuff from that game. And there's, it's a roguelite. You go in and you die and you get kicked out of hell and you go back and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again until you finally kill hell. That's that's <laughs> that's what you're doing. That is the, the it's a roguelite. It straight up is. Um, I, I remember calling it Hades. Like I said, it's like it's it's Hades in Valhalla. That that's what they're doing. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't. I I haven't been playing Valhalla nearly as much as I played Odyssey. I didn't like it as much. I feel like Odyssey had a lot better game design elements. Uh, the narrative was fine for Valhalla. I liked the character of Eivor quite fine, um, but I didn't. It didn't gel with me like Odyssey did. But this is this is coming dangerously close to. I have to go back just to see this. Uh, just just to give it one shot because if any non-roguelite franchise could incorporate roguelite elements it should be assassin's creed you know what i mean this is the games this is the series that should be able to handle this agreed um so i hope they do a good job with it i hope it's really good um we'll see what happens with that there's a bunch of other stuff they're doing for the anniversary uh like you know but most of it's just stuff that you'd care about if you were in assassin's creed uh valhalla already they are re-releasing origins uh, for the newer generation of consoles, they're putting it on 60 frames per second on the uh, the Series X and the PlayStation 5. And it's on Game which, Pass. Yeah, it's going to be on Game Pass. Odyssey is already all of these things. They did that already with Odyssey. So, but yeah, that's that's their thing announcement that I thought was pretty cool and worth worth talking about. Uh, and now that kind of leads me to other possible things that we could have talked about. Like for instance, this actually happened during yeah the. Uh, the podcast yeah um oh no go ahead then because you're, you're talking to someone else uh so during the during the recording of this podcast uh wowhead has actually put up their talent calculator for uh dragonflight the preliminary for druids and death knights um uh, and uh so you can go take a look at it for yourself and uh i'm you guys might want to go take a look at it because they're already doing that thing that i really was hoping that they weren't going to do and i'm hoping that it changes um like looking at the resto druid one or just druid in general uh, remove corruption as a talent choice, not baseline, which means that you have to spend a talent point in order to remove curse and poison effects. Um, so, which is something that they spent a lot of time splitting up between healers to give them all their own thing, like which healers could do what or remove what. Like some could remove disease, some couldn't. Some could remove magic, some couldn't. Uh, everybody could remove curse. Uh, but now that seems like you have to spend a talent point on it uh, as well. And it looks like the big druid, one of the big druid cooldowns. For restoration, at the very least, like tranquility, uh, is a talent choice as well that you can actually spec in a way that you cannot get it if you 
uh, otherwise. It is an interesting and scary thing. Um, a couple of the people that I know that listen to our podcast who play Death Knights have been looking at the Death Knight stuff, and I've gotten a couple of messages already uh, that it looks like their talent choices are set up in such a way that forces you, as a Frost, at least as Frost Death Knight, uh, to choose between DPS and interrupts. Um, these, again, like, I'm hoping that these shift, and I'm hoping that they get some some feedback because that doesn't feel like a meaningful choice. That feels like you're gutting the class and, and taking things away or locking things in a very specific way. Cause I can't imagine a restoration druid that wouldn't want tranquility. And I can't imagine a class not wanting interrupts. Like it, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it or I'm sure you haven't had a chance to take a look at it, but yeah, just a little, a little I mean, worried. This is, this is the same talent trees we saw you know, a couple weeks ago, right? I think it is. It's just yeah, but with put all them the details. in calculator format. Yeah, with all the details, I mean, though, I, so you can actually go through it. Yeah, I think the details were there if you read through them. It's just, just now it's a talent tree. It's, it's a calculator now. Yeah, you can see how the you can see how you can chart out like the path now is what it boils down to, right? Like you yeah, can actually start. They didn't actually have that. Now they have that. I think it's sinking in more for me because like you can you can talk about it, mm-hmm. but like when you're actually spending the points and seeing how the tree fills out, it's a little bit. It hits different. <laughs> so I'm gonna shut up now and let y'all talk. Well, I the the only thing I was going to mention was actually that Warcraft Three Reforged got a patch. To today they announced it. It's on the uh, PTR 1.33.0, um, and it's it's not it's. It, I remember Liz was who who brought this into the into Discord. I forget who linked it, it. Yeah, but you were like, "Is anyone going to write this?" It was not me. Yeah, you were like, "Is anyone going to write this?" And I was like, "I I can I can do it, I guess." And then I wrote That's... the thing, and I think the entire energy of my post was, "This actually happened." Really? No, really, they did this. <laughs> Because even in the even in the Blizzard post, they're like, we haven't communicated with you for a while. And I was like, yeah, if since launch is a while, then yeah, you haven't communicated at all. Uh, but it's like it's really interesting because it is a patch that that brings everything people said they wanted back before this game came out. Like a lot of the features that that got taken away when they switched to modern Battle.net um, are coming back, like leaderboards, um, ranked play, and player player profiles like you, you can click on a character now you can click on their prof their their character thing and get a profile like of the games they've played in their ranking and so forth which is all stuff that they used to have and then they lost when they switched them away from the uh the old way to the new battle net so that's interesting um they also did apparently a lot of balance changes for for the campaign like se- several maps have been changed and, and rebalanced I have to say, this is right up there in terms of things I did not see coming. This is right up there with the PC beta for for uh, Diablo Mortal. I I did not expect this. Uh, I yeah, no, I had no idea this was going to happen. Liz, they said they're going to do more updates this year. I I don't know how to ask this politely. Do you believe them? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, they said it so. The thing is, they have not communicated anything about, or at least not very much about Warcraft 3 at this point, and it really kind of felt like they'd abandoned it, you know, kind of like Heroes of the Storm, where they just up and stopped developing and walked away. Uh, so, but since they have actually said it, I do trust that they're actually planning on doing something, there unless might- it turns out like the dance studio, which uh, uh, is always possible. Rip, rip dance studio. <laughs> 
I was gonna say this might this might be yeah. renewed vigor from the upcoming the upcoming acquisition though too. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Because I could see I could see this is a game that you had a purchase before. Now they actually are making it like you know updates and playable, and maybe there might be talks about putting it on something like I don't know Game Pass, so the more people can get it and play it without having to spend the money on it. I am sure Microsoft is going to want all of this on Game Pass. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's their whole thing, isn't it? Like, they approach oh, yeah. Game Pass as their yeah. Netflix kind of thing, where, you know, getting more mm-hmm. people to subscribe to Game Pass. Yeah. Which is interesting to me is, like, I had honestly thought that they lost pretty much all their RTS developing talent. Because, I mean, there's an entire company out there now that's got most of their best people, including, like, the, you know, uh, Kevin, you know, they, the, the person who developed co-op commanders is, is over there at Frost Giant now. So I was really surprised that there's people left at Blizzard doing RTS design, much less rebalancing those maps. That's that's kind of amazing to me. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder, are we going to see more RTS games out of them again? Like, we know that when they did, when, when Microsoft did the acquisition, and I keep harping on this because it's important, when they acquired Activision Blizzard, they put six games up on a banner. One of those games was from Activision. One of those games was King because it was Candy Crush. And that's just pretty much what King does. And the other four were Blizzard games. And StarCraft was one of those four games. If they're going to work on StarCraft under Microsoft, and we, you know, the fact that Diablo was mentioned in this Microsoft press, re- press event means that they're moving forward as if the acquisition has already kind of happened. Like it's already part of their what they're doing going forward. Are we going to get StarCraft now? Because I can't help but think that that we might we might actually see some StarCraft. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think I'm being crazy here? I don't know. Like I, I'd like to say yes or no, but I don't know. Um, I also don't know where StarCraft would go from here. Uh, playing through the the StarCraft two, I don't know where the story would happen. I don't know what they would do with it. Liz, I have I have no clue. So this does seem like a good time to maybe talk about what Frost Giant did this weekend. Yeah, this past yeah, week. absolutely. I was actually that's what I was going to say when Joe brought up the talentry thing. That's what I was like, I thought, I was like, <laughs> how, how did you know? Okay, go for it. And then you start talking <laughs> about talentry. I'm like, oh, definitely not the same thing. Uh, yeah, Frost Giant. Um, my biggest problem with Frost Giant Studios is I keep wanting to call them Super Giant Games. Uh, <laughs> different company, different people. Super Giant, you make lovely games. We're just not talking about you right now. Um, but, but yeah, you Hades, um, the frost giant games has been working on frost Giant studio has been working on it an, an RTS game for like, since they left blizzard, um, since they, they founded back in, I think 20, 2020, is that when we did the release? Yeah. It's, been, it's only been a couple of years. Yeah. And they just really, they, during the actual summer, uh, summer games, uh, event, they actually did a reveal for what they've been working on. And it's a game called, um, I know the name of this game. I wrote the post about it. Why can't I remember it now that I have to talk about it? It is called Stormgate. Stormgate. Thank you. Um, and it's, I, 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 I actually liked the game, what I saw of it. I thought it was actually really cool and interesting. But at the same time, I've heard a criticism of it that I think is valid. And that's that it is basically like Starcraft if you put Diablo in it. And I get it. I, you know, it. there's a lot of, it is very apparent that these people worked at Blizzard. I think that it's fair to say this. It is. I don't know how else. Like it. It feels very much like if if Blizzard announced this property, you would not be surprised. If this was an expansion pack 
or if they decided to do a game where Diablo invaded StarCraft. I, I do not have a problem. Like you would just be like, oh yeah, there it is. So um, what did you, did either of you look at it? What did you guys think? I um, did not. So go ahead, Liz. I, I'd like to know more because we just, we just don't know a lot about it. And it does look to me a little generic at this early stage. Uh, there are some interesting things like they talked about, like, didn't they talk about three team, three player co-op? Yeah, absolutely. Sounded kind of cool. Yeah, but they didn't, it's like that's mentioned in the press release and it's like one line and that sounds really cool. Um, but it did, it did look a bit generic and it's like, it's robots versus demons or, you know, mechs versus demons. And it, it feels, you know, the demons look a lot like Diablo demons. So it just feels a little, a little bit generic. And I think I need to know, and I need to see more. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I think it looks generic because to me, it doesn't look generic. It looks very much like a very specific art style. <laughs> it's just an art style that this other company that they used to be at use. Yeah, true. And, and I have, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound too negative because a, I haven't played it. Uh, I've just looked at a few pictures and seen a couple videos. I'm hoping that the stuff they're talking about, like the three player co-op versus like they want to have three V three PVP in this game where, you'd have two other players each playing a different like army of people. You could, you could have three of whatever factions are going to end up being in the game versus three on the other side. So six player head to head PVP. I think that's really amazing. I think that's really cool. Um, the three, the three player co-op versus the AI, um, the three, three versus three VE they're calling it. You know, I, I think that's really cool. That's the idea of having couch co-op and, internet multiplayer co-op again really cool the the fact that they want to make it easier to get in and play the game and and deliberately cut out some of the more overly complicated rts mechanics i think that's a brilliant idea um a lot of this stuff sounds great but i mean they did a trailer that was very seriously trying to be one of the starcraft trailers yeah and that that i I don't don't think helped and maybe that's what I'm feeling about with when I say it's generic. It feels like other things. It doesn't feel like it has its own identity, at least yeah. not from what we've seen so far. Now, if they add the dinosaurs thing, that would be great. Throw in some dinosaurs, <laughs> guys. But no, in sincerity, I do think that there is an interesting novel idea there. It's just we have to get to seeing it get, you know, we need to get past a couple of art stills, a couple of promo images and a trailer. And we've seen a little bit of the gameplay, but not enough to really know, okay, what's this going to be like? I'm willing to be convinced on Stormgate, and I, d- I do think it has promise. I definitely think that in a world where Blizzard has essentially seeded the RTS market, um, it's very similar to what happened with Bioware, where for like years, Bioware basically just said, yeah, I guess we're not doing RPGs anymore. And so you ended up getting like, you know, uh, the Witcher games ended up taking over. Uh, you got spiders out there doing Bioware style games more than Bioware is doing them. I think this could happen again. I think that the RTS field, it's big on mobile right now. And I definitely think that this game could do all the stuff that it's being hyped to do. But I'm really cautious and burnt out on video game hype. Like when a game, like what you said about Starfield. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when a game yeah. starts promising everything, I start hearing Peter Molyneux in the back of my head going, it'll massage your scalp while you play it. when you play this game it's going to in real time have your have your pets love you they will love you 
and they will demand food. And if you're off on an adventure and you're, the, the pets are at home, they will starve to death. Like, Peter, why would you even promise that? <laughs> like, seriously, Peter, I don't even, I don't want that. No, don't, don't do that. The tree outside your house will get more lush. Like, Peter, you're not going to actually render the tree. I played Fable. You're not doing it. Um, so, yeah, I, I get, I'm very cautious about what video game producers promise nowadays. So I, I'm waiting to see on that one. But it is, it is definitely something of I'm interested in because it is, you know, we've RTSC was the thing, the rock that Blizzard built itself on. So yeah, I definitely want to see that thing. Uh, what else? What else is there to talk about? Steam Next Fest. I wanted to mention we, we are really wow. We have we didn't even get to the PlayStation Plus thing. Oh man. Yeah. We uh, have so much news, yeah, or at we're, least we're talking about, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're not going to get to the emails again, guys. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> let's 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 talk about the game, the PlayStation event. I didn't get to see it. Uh, I heard about it because you guys were talking about it, and I looked up some articles, but I didn't actually get to see it. What do you What are you thinking about the the PlayStation Plus uh, revamp and what they're doing to compete with uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass? What, what was your take on it, Liz? Since I know you, I think you watched it. Um, well, it wasn't, they, they announced it a lot, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point, but yeah. they just, it just launched yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they used to have what PlayStation now, I think that was their game service where you, you know, you subscribed and you got all these games and it was not super impressive. And then they had PlayStation plus, which was a thing where you subscribed and you got, you could play multiplayer. You had some benefits like that. And you had access to a game or two a month. Um, and now they've merged them into a single subscription service with different tiers. And basically, kind of the middle tier is your Xbox Game Pass competitor. And but not. I don't think it's 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 not up there with Game Pass, but I do think it's pretty good. I mean, it has a really good games library. It has a lot of stuff that I want to download and play, which I think is great. It has um it has some PlayStation exclusives. What it, it it has indie games. I've I've had I haven't you know it's been out for a day, so I haven't had a ton of time to play it. But I have had uh, a lot of fun, you know, browsing and grabbing things. And I played um, a game called I Am Dead yesterday, which is a little indie title in which you are a ghost trying to save your home from a volcano by recruiting a ghost to be friends with the volcano or something. Anyway, I was enjoying that and I wouldn't have played it unless I had this uh the the PlayStation Plus subscription. Um and that's one of the things I really like about these subscriptions is you can go in and discover things that you might never have played before or you wouldn't have tried. You wouldn't have gone out and bought and you got a chance to look at all of these things and check out these things. What I think PlayStation Plus is missing is it doesn't have as big of a game cat- catalog as Xbox, but it does have a pretty big big game catalog. It's way more impressive than PlayStation Now was. And I think it's a really good, you know, beginning of something that could compete with Game Pass. It... Uh, Xbox has the advantage here in that Microsoft owns Bethesda. They have a deal with EA, so all of the EA games are on Game Pass. And a lot of the EA games are on PlayStation, PlayStation have as that. well. A lot of the EA games are available through PlayStation yeah. as well. Not as many, though. Xbox Not as has many. Like yeah. everything. You, 
Yeah, Xbox has um, everything that's on the EA the EA game subscription service is also on Xbox, and it's not just not as much on PlayStation. Xbox Game Pass also does the thing where you get day one releases on Game Pass, which is awesome. You can just go and try out all the new games, and PlayStation hasn't committed to doing anything like that. And there are some newer games that are not on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Like uh, Horizon Forbidden West isn't there. So that mm-hmm. is a big PlayStation exclusive. But if you want to play it, you got to buy it outright. And uh, But they have uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. They have the two most recent Spider-Man games, which I'll say are games I would not have bought myself because I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan. But I may check them out because they're there. And I know Joe always is talking about them. And Joe has really good taste. So I should probably give them a try because they're they're right there in front of me. <laughs> so I think it's really it's it's a really good it's a really big step in the right direction for PlayStation. I, is it perfect? No. Yeah. But it's 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 better. It's better than it was by a, a good long margin, but I do have a couple complaints. There are three levels now. Uh, so you have your essential, which is you get multi- monthly games. This is the minimum requirement to play online games. It offers you a small selection of discounts on purchases. Um, gives you certain things like uh, you get the PlayStation Plus collection, which is that old game catalog or that rotating game catalog that they've had. Uh, game help. They say exclusive content, but essentially what that really boils down to is if you have a PS5, you get the special card stuff when you pause the game, uh, like hints and things like that as well. Uh, Extra increases that to have a larger game catalog, has all the stuff in the included previous to it, um, has more share play and options as far as that goes, uh, but it is also $5 more a month or $100 a year. The essentials is... $10 $10 US a month or $60 a year. The premium, which is the one that has all of the benefits and is subsequently also the most expensive, is the one you have to pick if you want to play PlayStation games on your PC. You cannot do that with any of the others, and you cannot do it through the old method. The old app is dead as of yesterday, uh, where you used to be able to have your PlayStation on and stream from your PlayStation to your computer. That is gone now. You have to have the premium subscription in order to do it and the new app that they just released yesterday. Um, this does also include some game trials for upcoming third, like high tier third, like uh, AAA games or, or ones that are most anticipated. Uh, basically, the old demo service that used to be included as a base part of the PlayStation Now subscription. And this is also the only way you get access to the classics catalog, uh, which is all of the older games from the PS3, P- not not just the PS4, but PS3 and PS2, uh, where they've made a lot of them available to play online. And it is a pretty extensive catalog. But again, you have to have the premium subscription in order to get it, which is $18 US a month or $120 a year. Um, it is an okay value, but... There's not enough there right now for that price point to compete with Microsoft. Microsoft just has too much. And I understand what they're doing, and I'm hoping they keep adding more. The classics catalog is the thing that interests me the most because there are certain games that I like retro gaming. Uh, point of order, my, my partner for my birthday got me a handheld emulation unit so that I could actually play some classic like games because... A lot of them you can't get physical media for anymore because collections are starting to dry up. And it sounds like a weird thing, but 
PS2 games are getting harder to find. Uh, there are certain ones that weren't done in large quantities. I'll use one of my like favorite game series as an example. Um, Beautiful Joe, which was a, a beat-em-up that was just really over the top and available on GameCube and PlayStation 2. The Beautiful Joe 1, you cannot find the disc for at all, period. It was such a small run on both consoles that it just does not exist anymore. Uh, Beautiful Joe 2, you are very lucky if you can find one, and it is very expensive if you can find one. So having a service that actually takes those and makes them available through for streaming or through an online catalog is very enticing to somebody like me who I want to play these games, but I don't want to spend $100 to buy the disc to play these games and then hopefully, hopefully maintain hardware uh, to be able to play it. So I'm hoping that they expand the classics catalog with more titles. I'm hoping that they make it a, more available, maybe it even down to the extra tier as opposed to requiring the PlayStation Plus premium plan for it, or they look at their content and pricing structure and compare it directly to Microsoft to make sure that they're actually providing value for players. Those are my takeaways right now. <laughs> okay. And uh, unfortunately, I think at this point we are more or less out of time. Um, so, yeah. Um, Second week in a row where we went on and on and didn't get the questions. I feel really bad about that because uh, it's basically my fault. Um, so, yeah, going to try and get to them next week. Please let nothing there's, big happen. Don't have any Game Fest. There's just been a lot week, of guys. news. Well, we, we have this. We have the Steam Next Fest, too. Like, where there's going to be stuff to yeah. talk about. It's it's a busy actually, news cycle, surprisingly. Yeah, <laughs> if, if we weren't running late, I would actually totally want to talk about Steam. Because just I will say this and then we'll move on. The Steam Next Fest is your chance to go and look at a ton of games you've never heard of and you would never hear of and, normally. And that you can play because they make them playable. That's yep. a huge They're, thing. Yeah. So do it is a good value to go look at. It's a good resource. Um, but yeah, at this point, uh, Joe usually is the thing he does now. So we're going to toss it to Joe. Absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast setting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free set experience. Thank you very much, Joe, and uh, thank you to both Joe and Liz for being here and for keeping the show uh, on track and and all that, because I, I was a little distracted tonight. Um, yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll be back next week. 